0: -hmm. But this week, I sent my goddaughter for her birthday a series of costumes, some of which were gender neutral, including a lion, a bee, and a pirate, which I deemed as gender neutral. It said for boys, and I thought, no, I'm not having that.
4: Yeah. Outraged I
0: was. But I was (laughs) most excited, if I'm completely honest, about the bell dress from Beauty and the Beast. I couldn't wait. And her mother, who's also a feminist, just sent me a picture of herself holding the bell dress up going, I wish it fit me. (laughs) Ignored the lion costume. The very neutral bit. The only one my goddaughter's interested in is the bee costume because she's Generation Z and they want to save the world and so do bees, so... I'm pretty sure she doesn't care about Belle. She cares about bees. Now I should be proud of her, and of course I am. She's only just mm-hmm. turned three. Very proud that she loves bees more than princesses, because princesses aren't going to save the world. They've been around for ages. And they've done nothing towards it. That's Whereas, true.
5: They just actually. Support. That's
0: not true. Princess Diana <laughs> was always walking through landmines or something. But yes.
5: um
0: But but but
5: <laughs> bees
0: overall. This is taking a
5: turn, Deborah. This is <laughs> bees
0: yeah. overall. Yeah. It do more I mean there are queen bees maybe
5: she's just it's, but, but uh, can, a, can a bee wear a great like revenge dress you see can they no I mean <laughs> listen I think stripes
0: is always a revenge outfit
5: and if you've got a, if you've got a sting like that
0: how is it not revenge how is it not revenge <laughs> Absolutely.
5: yeah the poor bees give the ultimate revenge don't they they leave half their arse in your arm if you've you know messed with them a bit
0: yeah no, yes. I, I mean, they do well on Tinder. They,
5: <laughs> if you
0: don't I'm gonna, ghost to be, it will find well, you.
5: If I if I ever become single again, I'm going to do that. I'm going to leave half my arse in your arm, mate, if you, if you ghost me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I feel weird when I see boobs on a robot, and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. It doesn't matter what kind of boobs they are. I'm just like, do, do robots lactate? Do robots lactate? No. No, and it feels it feels so odd. But then again, am I like? Is that because of my inbuilt misogyny? Why? Why is that?
0: Yeah, why is the neutral boobless?
5: That's true. See, see, this is this is that's that's a beautiful. That sounds like a a book title. But like, I just, I just feel.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll text my publisher now. Is there anything in this? (laughs) (laughs) What I find weird, I was thinking today about the origin, and I looked up the origin of the word. Uh, human and woman, because the root of that, both of those words seems to be man. So what kind of man? A human. What kind of man? A woman. Mm -hmm. And I went, oh my God, men are like, they're so centered, even in the words that define us. We cannot get away from them. And I looked up, woman was originally with man, wife of man, and the F just got lost because you know people are lazy when they speak, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah. it was probably like some kind of medieval emoticon that fell away. I'm a feminist, but earlier today I said, I hate the internet and then quickly added, but I'm nothing without it. <laughs> nothing. I'm nothing without the internet. I'm, I'm nobody and I'm nothing. That's what I said. It slipped out.
5: I'm genuinely addicted to the internet. I'm basically a robot with boobs now. You are- <laughs> Yes. We all are. We all are. Um, no, like I've I've taken Twitter off my phone, and my thumb keeps hovering. Like it's a phantom mm. app that's left there. And like I have these thoughts all the time. I'm like, I love the people in Gogglebox, even the people I suspect of being Tory. I wanted to tweet that. Who am I going to say that to? My boyfriend wants. Like I need an outlet <laughs> for my inane opinions. <laughs> Mm, I, <laughs> Who am
0: I going to say that to? My boyfriend once is the sentence of the age. What would be the point of that? He'd just hear it, enjoy it, and it would be gone. How am I going to get validation from thousands of strangers?
5: Exactly. Or exactly. discover
0: that actually only three people thought that was worth liking.
5: Or, or even get horribly savaged for my, like my, you know, my boyfriend. <laughs> My boyfriend won't quote tweet me and go, what? Like, you know, so. (laughs) It's true.
0: He's not going to come up. He won't troll you for that innocent throwaway comment. No. So yeah, you'd rather be savaged by thousands than heard by nobody, basically, is what we've discovered.
5: Well, my boyfriend isn't nobody. He's one person. But yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm a feminist, but I've started adding avocados to smoothies and I feel more like a woman, which is very weird. Like, (laughs) I feel like... I feel like sneaking vegetables into my diet is a very matriarchal thing to do to me.
0: You've snuck vegetables into your own diet like parents who mash up courgette and put it into beef burgers or something so their children don't know.
5: Exactly. So I'm I'm trying, I think I've gotten into this thing now where like I'm role-playing with myself where I'm just uh, tricking myself into eating more vegetables and then remembering about 10 minutes later and go, haha, I'm clever. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that makes me more of a woman, but I felt, I felt it did. Uh, (laughs) It's
0: it sounds kinky if I'm completely honest.
5: You know, when I brought role play into it, it did, didn't it? I Mm. should. There were the wrong words. sounded like you're dressing up as a nanny
0: for yourself.
5: (laughs) I'd love that. I'm not. uh,
0: Listen, I'm not kink shaming. I'm. I'm I'm more for it. And I feel if you can play kink with yourself, then you are a winner.
5: The only uh, nannies I know wear fleeces, so I've got a fleece. I'll pop it on. Is that your definition of what a nanny no, is No, I was thinking like, like a Nolan nanny, like a, like a Mary
0: Poppins type outfit with a pinafore.
5: Oh, I was thinking, you know, normal nannies with like um, a windbreaker or
0: something yeah. like that. Something I nice was a above. nanny. I never dressed very glamorously when I was a nanny. It's
5: yeah. true. I wouldn't employ a nanny that was dressed too glamorously. That's my I'm a feminist. But oh. That is my I'm a feminist, but... <laughs>
0: Do you know, there are many women who will not employ a nanny that they believe to be the kind of woman who would be attractive to their husband. And uh <laughs> Guys, and I'm a feminist part. And, I mean, I was employed left, right, and centre as a nanny. Looking back now, I think that was unflattering. Oh, Why were they not thinking I was a threat? I'm a feminist, but I would like to I be would... considered more of a threat by the mothers who hired me. That's... <laughs> I mean... I I could have got a job with Sadie Frost, let's be perfectly honest.
5: <laughs> me too, Deborah. We're in that club. I wouldn't be that qualified, but I'd be very available. <laughs> like I'm very flexible time wise. Um, Don't say flexible
0: in the interview. Don't say that. <laughs>
5: <No>. <laughs> um,
0: I'm a feminist, but this morning, yeah. I said when technology was failing me, <laughs> the Apple TV is a little bitch. <laughs>
5: To be fair It is It is
0: I was uh, trying to get on With my dance teacher And she could hear me And was laughing At me referring to the Apple TV As a little bitch and Do you know what I don't even feel bad about it And I know I should I feel no shame about it I should feel shame about that
5: If your Apple TV had boobs I think you would feel more shame. I think we need to <laughs> it's do that true And then we can stop calling Our technology little bitches It's true <laughs> From a
0: variety of bedrooms and kitchens via Zoom, The Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Alison Spittle, and our very special guests, Belle Ribeiro, addy Gracie Mae Bradley, Patsy Stevenson, Matilda Mallinson, and Grace Petrie, talking about the UK policing bill. woo Yeah. woo 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 this is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists, now hypocrisies, and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis White. With me is Alison Spittle, and we're talking about the brand new UK policing bill.
5: Oh, Alison
0: Spittle, how are you?
5: Oh, what a lovely light subject, Deborah. I'm delighted to hop in at this one. We only get you in
0: for the truly <laughs> for the frivolous.
5: For the- yeah. You know, when I think
0: who's who's going to find it easy to make comedy about this subject, that's when I reach for Alison Spittle on my speed dial and go, "If anyone can make a joke about this, Yeah, it's Alison and apologise
5: for it after, it's Alison Spittle. That's that's me." <laughs> on
0: the most serious episode we ever did, Alison Spittle leaned into our guest and said, "What does Boris Johnson smell like?" I think of him as a Davidoff cool water man.
5: I stand by that sentiment. I stand <laughs> by that. Someone
0: complained I, on the, on, I saw online a very humorless man complained about it. What, he was like, outraged. Outraged you would ask that. I felt very think like
5: Boris was more Calvin Klein. Like, what was his problem? <laughs> I think it was, I think he was
0: an old spice man who complained himself. <laughs> cool. He was an yeah, old spice man. They do
5: complain. They do complain about old spice men. That should be the new word for gammon, it's old spice men. Oh, yes. A
0: great one. He's a bit old spice.
5: Yeah.
0: Um. But sometimes women are gammon. Um, That's
5: true. Yeah, feminism.
0: (laughs) Uh, Hashtag feminism. Um, So Alison, earlier today, you and I had a briefing with Amnesty International. I'm privileged to be an Amnesty ambassador and therefore extremely privileged to be able to get briefings on human rights issues from experts. And today you and I had a Zoom Mm -hmm. uh, with the wonderful Oliver Sprague. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oliver's official title is Program Director of Military Security and Policing at Amnesty International, an organization that defends human rights. And so they're always watching what governments around the world are doing and how they are eroding human rights or contravening human rights, taking advantage of people's human rights and fighting for them. And so Oliver has been in the human rights business, if I can call it that, uh, for decades and knows an awful lot about this stuff
5: i i tell you I would love to be in a pub and have a drink with him I could listen to him for ages to like be honest I I'd like... have a drink
0: with pretty patel at the moment in a pub so that i don't think that's much of a compliment to ollie <laughs> been, we haven't been in a pub for a year i wouldn't have a drink with pretty patel that's a lie I've, I've i've said i've really i've that was a like hyperbolic i'd i'd leave a pub I'd leave a pub um she's not in the pub
5: I'd stay in a pub, but I'd give her a dirty look. So that's what I would do. I don't think she's ever just, been to the pub. The pub's fun. I would what, just what talk. does she want with it? And if she dropped a glass on the floor, I'd be like, "Way, way!" And I'd make her feel really embarrassed about dropping a glass in the pub. That's what I would do. That's my punishment for being a to tell.
0: You're a real feminist, there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So Ollie, who was yes. the loveliest man in the world, but also highly educated and brilliant on these things, gave us a briefing. So before we bring our brilliant guests on, mm. I am going to recap what we learned at the Amnesty briefing. If you hear me say anything where you think, that's not quite what Ollie said, or there was more to that, or there was something else that you should know, could you please buzz in like this? Bzz, Thank is you. Is that what you like? And Perfect. add. Yeah, add or take away. If you're a global listener or you're somebody who has not this week been following the news because it's too depressing and you're in lockdown, the British government is bringing in a bill which is going to bring in lots of draconian measures which will erode our human rights. It's called the policing bill because it's specifically a response to recent protests and gives the police uh, more freedom to act in a more aggressive manner to citizens who are protesting. This is the genesis of this bill and certainly the top line of it. The first thing Ollie taught me was that in he said in all of his years on planet Earth, this is the one bill, the most disparate voices all say this is an abomination. He was like, it's everyone from Friends of the Earth to Ramblers, Black Lives Matter- the National Trust pro Brexit campaign. Wow. And uh, you know, the Countryside Alliance, the people who protest because they want to hunt foxes with more blood and vigour. Everybody <laughs> doesn't want this. Everybody doesn't want it. Because fundamentally, what it's saying is if you want to protest, we can stop you doing that if you are being a nuisance. Or noisy.
5: That's the whole point. That's the whole
0: point of protest. That's the definition of a protest, is a noisy nuisance. You're making yourself a noisy nuisance to say, hey, we don't like what you're doing, government. This is a democracy, you work for us. And you are being a noisy nuisance. You can't have a protest that is not a noisy
5: nuisance. What is that, sitting in the park? I think mean, the Tory government want like, people to do litter picking or something like that as a form of protest. Like That's ridiculous.
0: They want us to protest from home. By going, hmm, I disagree.
5: They want us tweeting. They want us tweeting and attacking each other, and like not bringing it to the streets. And it should be on. Sorry, I'll, I'm going to go back to our game that we're playing. Oh yes, game. Instead game. of okay. instead of my lukewarm takes, but okay. like you know, that's that's my feeling. No, there's
0: going to be plenty of time for your lukewarm takes when we bring the guests on. Alison. <laughs> cool, cool. So cool. and mine, I'll and have play. <laughs> so some of the people that we would not naturally ally with. Even like Tory MPs who were sort of anti-maskers and uh, very, very, very pro-Brexit, they are going no, no, no. Hold on a minute. You can't, you can't just say we can't say anything anymore. Now the mm. government would argue, no, no, we're not saying you can't protest. We're just saying the police need reasonable measures. They need to be able to do X, Y, and Z to control protests in case they get violent. But here's the thing: what Ali told us today is, and it should be obvious. As soon as he said it, I went, oh yeah, the police have already got all of those rights at their disposal right now. He was under the right circumstances, the police can shoot you dead legally.
3: What law did the
0: police want? He said, have you not seen protests? Police kettling people, police using shields, police uh, using force, police arresting people. They do all of that stuff. He was like, so hold on a minute. What rights do they not have that are covered by this bill? And the thing is, it's not really about that. It's really about opening the door to say, if we don't like the kind of protest you're having, we can then say, ah, oh, well, you can't have this protest. Um, mm. And he said, like, it's very vague language, like noisy. What does that mean? He said, it's not, there's nothing that's saying anything over 60 decibels for 10 minutes. It's just noisy. But who decides what's noisy? Yeah. So he said, if you're protesting against bad guys, arms dealers, they could go, oh, they're being really noisy at the front of our building, take them away. So it opens the door to that. Now, it's going to be used against travellers. And travellers are, he said, the most criminalised, even more criminalised than black men in this country. And that really is saying something. And travellers... there's something in this bill that says travellers can be moved on because anybody can be moved on under the idea of trespassing. And he said that will also be used for sit-ins, for students, you know, students in halls doing a sit-in or chaining themselves to something or, you know, Extinction Rebellion, that kind of thing. It's going to be used to say we can just move you on from anywhere, but it, of course, then will be used against marginalised groups.
5: Mm.
0: Were you buzzing in?
5: Uh, No, you've said everything so right. I'm like waiting for wrong stuff here. I'm like, this is a game where I'm very much like putting my chest back. I'm sorry, you haven't had
0: much time to buzz. Uh, (laughs) He also said uh, that all dogs were going to be banned from the United Kingdom. Buzz! He didn't say that. There we go. He didn't say that. (laughs) Uh, But he said there is something in this bill that some people might say, oh, but this is good in this bill, which is, there's going to be better legal protections for violence against women and girls. Yes. But the women's sector is saying, please don't put that in this poisonous bill which is a death by a thousand cuts to our human rights. We yeah. don't want it anywhere near that. We want to have that conversation, but we want women to have their own bill or to be put in a bill that isn't just literally hoovering human rights out of the United Kingdom.
5: I put it this way. If I'm in a restaurant, I get a bowl of custard and there's a fleck of shit in it, I'm putting it back into the kitchen. Like I'm not eating around it. I'm not going to be served it. That's how I <laughs> feel about You've bills. You've got
0: notions, Alison Spittle. I've always I said do. it. <laughs> I do. I <laughs> do. It's fancy, <laughs> fancy, fancy with Alison Spittle.
5: Oh, Alison doesn't like sheila custard. La da. Sorry, um, Deborah. Go on. No, uh,
0: and so. The other thing it's going to be used for is knife crime. It's saying, oh, well, we need uh, more uh, powers to make sure people aren't carrying knives. And he said on the face of that, you might think, well, that's perfectly reasonable. But in Mm. fact, they can't. Of course, it's already a crime to carry a knife. They already are stopping knife crime. They already have those things. What they're doing in is sliding things like reasonable grounds to search you, like you've got a criminal record in the past or other things that will disproportionately mean that black men and women will be stopped and searched. So it's powers to the police we don't want the police having. Also, this bill is trying to take away our right to protest in front of the House of Commons, because some MPs have been abused in front of the House of Commons going into work. But there's already laws against abusing anybody. So we don't need this. What it means is the protests that, for example, we worked on with Amica George against period poverty wouldn't have had the same impact because MPs came out of the House of Commons to see what all these young women and teenage girls were protesting about. And lo and behold, guess what? Amica got the law changed because she got those MPs on side. It's not going to happen if we're protesting in Croydon, is it? We need a right to protest out the front of the House of Commons. Mm -hmm. What Ollie was saying is the police have already got plenty of power Mm -hmm. and arguably more power than we would want them to have. So what we don't want is for this bill, which is really there to erode human rights. And so the government, because human rights are pesky, then people can ask for (laughs) stuff and they're getting in the way of us doing exactly what we want. And so that's what this bill is really about. Do you think I've reflected Amnesty properly there?
5: I really, Deborah, I really do. I was listening to you and I was like, I, I feel like I'm doing exams and you've given me great, great notes and grinds. And uh, yeah, that I think for the listeners at home, that is what we heard about at the Amnesty meeting. And uh, it is such an important bill. And it's so good that we're having this conversation now because sometimes I can feel overwhelming. It feels like the government are constantly up to stuff. And and sometimes you just tune it out because they're always at it. And this is how you get apathetic. And I feel that I was apathetic before about a lot of stuff because Tories keep Torying, And there's nothing you can do about that. But listening to you now, like this is such an important bill to stop. And uh, for the listeners at home, like um, I'm really privileged to be a part of this conversation. Like I I feel like I'm I'm getting a big education today. So thank you very much, Deborah. I must reiterate Amnesty International need to be politically neutral because they have to work with all All
0: governments. So, no, you don't have to be. All views are my own,
5: baby. All views are my own. You
0: don't (laughs) have to be politically neutral. Um, in my yeah. role as an amnesty ambassador, it's because they do, they have to work with whoever they have to work with to get the job done. So they can't, yeah. of course, it's not their place to be party political. Uh, so as yeah. a, as an amnesty ambassador, may I say, this is a politically neutral assessment mm-hmm. of the situation. Now, I just, with, that's me. Now, I'm going on a break from being an amnesty ambassador. Yeah. And I, I'm Deborah Francis-White, guilty feminist and comedian. Uh, mm-hmm. So just to be clear about that, if you're listening at home.
5: Um But I right. can say whatever I like. Like uh, oh, yeah. Bar- oh Boris, amnesty amnesty. Boris, Boris like. Johnson looks like he's got nits. That's that's what I would say in my political <laughs> opinion. <laughs> well, that's the way I'm voting. That's
0: not that's official silly. amnesty policy, just <laughs> by that. That's no. I will I'll be, I'll be quiet. Oh the other thing I didn't say is and the most important thing, which yeah. I wanted to leave to the end and I left almost to the end so that it wasn't there at all. Okay. There's something in this bill. You should have buzzed to say this is most important but, thing, Alison. Thank sorry. you. There's something in this bill uh, that says ministers can make regulations on things that previously would have had to be made law, going through the parliamentary process. So you know when Trump in America kept going, oh, I'll just do what was it called, presidential, oh. Tom, what's it called that well, Trump did? Sorry. Was
5: saying that, what were you saying, Grace? Trump
0: did all sorts of shit.
5: No, the presidential, you know, we need to he'd say, executive, I want this to happen. Pardon. Is it executive order? That's Executive what order, is thank saying. you. Grace said
0: that. I did not say that, by the way. I'm, I'm a feminist, <laughs> but I asked a man rather than any of the women on the Zoom. Yeah. I just I'm so sorry. I <laughs> thought it's not right <laughs> to ask my guests. I meant to know. So remember, no. so to edit that out. Shh sh- 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 That will be in the blooper there. Um <laughs> Just If this goes to the blooper, Tom, I, I need to add, Tom did not know the answer to this. Grace Petrie. <laughs> cool. So you know how Trump used to bring in executive orders where he'd just go, mm. yeah, I don't want to be worried about democracy, so I'm just going to say it and make it happen. They want more freedom to do that. That's extremely dangerous because that's really opening the door to us. All of this is opening the door to us uh, losing uh, what we know of as democracy And this is part of a wider campaign from this Mm. government. There's other bills coming in, which we will discuss in other episodes. Our first guest today is the Labour MP for Streatham, a dedicated feminist, anti-racist and trade unionist who currently sits on the Women and Equalities Committee in Parliament and previously served as shadow immigration minister under Jeremy Corbyn. Prior to this, she worked as Diane Abbott's political advisor and chief of staff. Please welcome Belle Ribeiro-Addy. <laughs> <laughs> Belle is joined by a human rights campaigner and policy expert, currently working as the interim director of Liberty, campaigning for everyone in the UK to be treated fairly with dignity and respect. Please welcome Gracie Mae Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> also on our Zoom... We have a physics student at Royal Holloway University who is their Women in Physics representative. She's an advocate for women's rights and diversity in STEM fields. Please welcome Patsy Stevenson. And finally, a human rights journalist and filmmaker who is also the founder of the Refugee Media Center. Her work also has been published across many major news outlets, including the No Media, Pioneer Post, the Financial Times, and the Evening Standard, Please welcome Matilda Mallinson. Okay, so let's start with you, Belle. You're a Labour MP. What do you think about this bill?
6: I think the bill's an absolute disgrace and it's just yet another long line in this Conservative government's attempts just to consolidate power um, amongst themselves. They've put forward a whole host of bills in the past year when they should have been focusing on the coronavirus pandemic Instead, just about everything they've put down is about more power for them, um, less rights for people, and just not really supporting people in the way that they should.
0: I wake up every day and think, I wish we weren't governed by sociopaths. But yes. honestly, I just <laughs> I this is me, Deborah Francis white speaking, by the way. Absolutely <laughs> you know, I'm honesty, but I there is a yeah. part, I just go, what, what, I
5: mean, how can they how can they sleep? I'd say on quite a nice mattress. I'd say they
0: afford it. I'd say <laughs> yeah. they invest a lot. A mattress stuffed with
5: money. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Gracie, how do you feel about this bill?
7: Um, I mean the bill is obviously awful. And as Belle says, it is the latest in a long line of really regressive measures, from, you know, measures to undermine judicial review, water down the Human Rights Act, give immunity from prosecution to soldiers and spies. It's the latest in a long line of things this government has done to really just try and shield itself from scrutiny at whatever the cost. But I'm really heartened by the mobilization that there has been. When you're, you know, I've worked in policy for the last five years or so. I spent a lot of time banging the drum about regressive legislation. And, you know, very often really dedicated activists pick it up and they'll mobilize. But you really rarely um kind of see a movement take life on its own. Um, you know Sisters Uncut have done some really amazing work, and I think yes, the government's trying to hide from scrutiny, but that's because it's running scared. It's because we have been successful in collectively and individually holding it to account. So, you know, for all that this bill is really, really abhorrent and it's an attack on protest and also an attack on marginalized communities, I'm also really heartened and really confident in our collective power, you know, to hold the government to account and to put forward, you know. Our own vision for what we think safety looks like, what freedom looks like. So um yeah, disappointed but never um never ground down.
0: Yeah. I mean it's one of those things where you're you're both shocked and completely unsurprised at the same time. But I, I just think there's too many people angry about this, and they're not I really can't, don't believe they're gonna get it through in the form it's in without any modifications, and I really hope that's true. Um Patsy. So, just to contextualise, you have been recently arrested at the vigil, and out of respect for Sarah Everard and her family, we won't talk about her. But can we talk to you about your experience at the vigil? You were arrested. You were. I saw a picture of you on the ground with your arms behind your back. It did not seem like. Uh, I don't know what kind of reasonable force could ever be used at a vigil, but it certainly did not seem like anything anybody could call reasonable force. How do you feel about this policing bill?
8: Well, I mean. I feel like politically I'm quite new to all this, to be honest, but I do feel like learning more and more about it does feel like I'm in some weird dystopian movie or something, like a parallel universe where we have like all of our rights taken away from us by the government that was meant to sort of protect us. It just feels really odd, very bizarre the The last week's been bizarre, but this this bill is just a bit mind blowing
0: yeah, it really is. And Matilda Mallinson, you're an investigative journalist and I asked you to put this panel together, which you have brilliantly done. How are you feeling about the policing bill and what led you to put this particular panel together?
4: Well, I think one takeaway that has really stuck with me as a journalist from this whole saga is to do with the PR of a bill. This bill has been a lesson that the same policy can be sold to the public in radically different ways and that we really need to be on our guard for political messaging when we assess these things because surprisingly this bill wasn't supposed to be sold to us as hey Boris Johnson's taking a fat festering turd on all of your rights it was supposed (laughs) to come across as like a popular we're tackling violent crime we're protecting first responders And I suspect that's why maybe Bell will correct me, right up until the 11th hour, Keir Starmer was kind of whipping Labour MPs to abstain. And then just before the second reading in Parliament, that changed. And what changed it was this vigil, and the fact that police completely overstepped their remit, and we got to see for ourselves the dangers that this bill could bring. And suddenly... Labour started opposing it. And it wasn't just Labour, it was also the media. You know, the Telegraph before had been like, hey, Pretty Patel's tackling the protests that damage democracy, we hate XR. And then after, the headline was the policing bills and a front to liberty and Labour's right to oppose it. And so I think this vigil really changed the conversation we're having. And if we hadn't seen that police behaviour... Attempts by groups like Liberty to alert us to the danger of this bill may have been drowned out by talk of tougher sentencing for terrorists and stuff. So I think that that there's a lesson that we really need to judge a bill not by its best case scenarios, but by its worst. And the worst Mm. case scenario of this bill is that it really is going to pressurize police at protests already in volatile situations to intervene if they're on the fence to just intervene more quickly. And we'll see that happen. And it's going to damage the relationship between the people and the police. And that relationship Mm -hmm. is going to start to look more like the relationship you see in an authoritarian state than in a democratic state. And who will be at the head of that state is a scary question.
0: Mm. Well, exactly. And why does any prime minister want to open the door to that? Because even if your intentions are good, you don't know who's coming after you. So you never mm. erode those things because you're opening the door to fascism. It's such a foolish thing to do. It's just short term, well, I want more power um, right now. I don't want to be weighed down with it. So, you know, let's let's get rid of all these pesky rights uh, but you don't know who's coming after you. That's the best case scenario or mm. you want to do very bad things. There's the only two scenarios. Either you're reckless or you've got ill intent.
5: I, I think Boris has both. Like, let's give him both. Like let's, <laughs> Why why not both with Boris Johnson?
0: I mean, there is a greed there. There's an avarice there. <laughs> um, Pell, how are you feeling about this with the Labour Party at the moment? How much can you say about where you're at with the Labour Party and the Labour Party's response to this. Do you think Labour are now actually against it? Do you think Keir Starmer's actually against this bill now?
6: Um, I think definitely now. With the response from the public, um, I think they definitely felt they couldn't be. Uh, this obviously changed, as you rightfully said, Alison, absolutely changed, and that's, that's a good thing. Um, not, not going to complain about that, but I'm more concerned about now now that it's past second reading, what we're going to do with it moving forward. So we're going to have the opportunity to make amendments and make changes and hopefully just keep up the pressure. I'm so pleased that after all of the actions of the public coming out against it, we've seen a delay. Um, And I don't know what this delay means. This could mean that it doesn't come back in the current form it is, or or it could mean um, basically it does, and they just bring it at another time where they think, They're not going to have such a a harsh reaction, but we need to look at what's going to be done to amend that bill. And I don't want to see any uh, wishy-washy amendments coming from my side. We really need to take it apart. It's not fit for purpose as it is. And, you know, to be quite frank, I don't even think it's amendable. But if we're going to try, we have to have a proper try, not um, not one that just looks showy uh, for the public with no intent to make real change.
5: Which bits would you like to change in that bill? Like with well, the do you have?
6: Well, I know all of other. it, but <laughs> all
5: of
6: it. Well
0: what would be your top line if they said it's down to you, you can make th- you know, three amendments or whatever and then it's going amendments. through. I don't well, think it doesn't work like that. There are no genies <laughs> in the House of Commons. But if no. if, if there <laughs> were if there was an amendment genie and you had three wishes, like what's the biggest things for you in this bill? What are the biggest danger points?
6: Well, the additional powers given to the police. Uh those Need to be thrown out. So get rid of that. Um, the the criminalisation of literally being a Roman traveller person—that those absolutely need to be thrown out. And then last amendment for something to be put in, actually specific measures for tackling violence against women and girls. You know, the government kept saying, "Oh, all of these different things include measures that will eventually help um, tackle violence against women and girls," but but. There was nothing in there specifically. And I think given the scale of the problem, they actively need to address it, saying that, you know, these rules apply to everyone and so it's going to affect everyone and everyone's going to be great after this, not good enough. So, yeah, all of those ridiculous measures about protests and giving people up to 10 years for a statue, all of these statues of men, by the way, um, worth much more than women and putting in specific measures to tackle violence against women and girls.
0: I mean... Gracie, you're the Interim Director of Liberty. How optimistic are you that we can get this bill thrown out or at least we can get meaningful amendments that stop them just having the power to go, you know, I I feel like doing this. Uh, I don't need to put this through Parliament. Oh, well, let's give the police way more rights than they've already got to be brutal when they've clearly gotten off. Um, How optimistic are you that this won't go through, that we can change it?
7: So, I mean, the bill's passed its second reading, so it's going to become law in some form or other. What that form is, is absolutely all to play for. Um, At committee stage, there's the opportunity to amend the bill, as Bell says. And to be honest, at that point, what we really want to see is what we call amendments to delete. Um, So amendments to just get rid of the rubbish bits. We don't want tinkering around the edges. Um, We don't want procedural tweaks. The bad bits just need to go. And it's not hard. They're kind of grouped together. Part three, part four, liberty will write the amendments. People just need to pick them up and run with them.
0: It's going to be as easy as people want it to be. There's just got to be the political will. The Tories have got a majority. How will we convince enough Tory MPs to vote against it or to make sure those amendments go through?
7: So look, you can do amendments at committee stage and report stage. MPs, Care about their constituents and what their constituents tell them. They care about public pressure. They care about media pressure. Those are the things that will move MPs. And obviously, we are going to need to keep the Labour front bench with us. We can't mm-hmm. take that for granted. And we also need to move some Conservative backbenchers too. So it's going to be really important. That those MPs hear from people in their constituencies about how they feel about this bill, why certain parts of it need to be deleted, why their constituents support these amendments. If there are demonstrations in their constituencies, they'll be listening to that. If there are organizations in their constituencies that are saying, look, actually, this is going to have a really big impact on people we work with or on, you know, what we do on a day to day basis. That's what will move. MPs, So it really is a kind of kitchen sink, everybody muck in because it's not enough for MPs just to hear from Liberty as much as I wish it were. They've got to hear from their constituents. So it's really a case of everybody picking up the phone, turning up at the constituency surgery, sending an email and doing that before committee stage and before report stage. That's what it's going to take.
5: Like a a nice noisy protest then, like before they get it into law. Just. I mean, oh. protest out might be your last chance
0: is really there, yeah. you know. But like during COVID though, Matilda, because you're a journalist across all of these issues, how do we protest safely during COVID before? I wonder if partly they're doing these things during COVID because it's a very difficult time for us to protest. And they're quickly, you know, Indiana Jones reaching back for the hat before the the door slams, uh, to use the Generation X reference. Um <laughs> young people look it up. It's not my problem. Uh, So Matilda, like what recommendations do you think you've got for us to make noise?
4: Well, you are definitely right that COVID has created this environment in which the governments had extra leeway to clamp down on dissent. And this bill is taking away the temporary coronavirus dependent condition on which those powers currently hang. So in terms of making noise in a safe slash legal way, I think Gracie's really put her finger on it for us all saying MPs don't just have to answer to their party whip. They also have to answer to their constituents. So make it politically not strategical for your MP to vote in favour of this bill. You know, tell your MP we are not going to vote you back in. Give them something to care about in their language, if it is power that this government cares about, and tell them this is not a way to cling on to your power. I mean, there is a saying which Owen West, this police officer, said to me, and he said the fastest way to start a riot is to stop protest. So,
6: Mm. yeah. Well, that's exactly what happened, isn't Make it? Make them
4: that. Well, this, but this is the
0: interesting thing about Bristol. With Black Lives Matter, the police were quite hands-off and said, you know, it's time for the statue to come down. This is significant and iconic. But then you know, it's possible the Home Office came down on them so hard that when there were these recent protests in Bristol, the police felt, oh, we've got to be harsh. But the harshness then turns a, as you say, a protest into a riot because you incense a crowd who've already come because they're angry about something. And yeah. so ta- police tactics are important. Patsy, you know, you experienced this firsthand at the vigil. What happened to you? Do you feel safe talking about that? I mean, I can't
8: talk too much about it because obviously there is other stuff going on and I've got legal advice. of mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to say certain things, um, which is fun. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm trying to, you know, navigate my way around wording things, but at the same time, trying to highlight that I feel that, you know, okay, what happened to me was one thing, but I feel that women of colour have that on, you know, a daily basis and probably much worse, and that it could have been a lot worse, you know. And I, I don't know, I just, I think I was shocked at the time because I've never been in that position. I've never. I've never been in trouble with the police and things like that, but maybe that is just down to my white privilege. I'm not sure. Like, it just, yeah, it was it was shocking, but it was, there's so much around it that I, I hate that I can't say loads about it. But yeah, Can you speak yeah.
4: in general terms about how unpredictable that escalation is? I don't know, like, did it go from being peaceful and feeling unthreatening to radically different? Or is that, you um, know, stepping into your legal no?
8: I think the only things that I can say is what I've said before. I know that it started as a vigil and I intended to go there with a candle. I had a candle with me. I'm going to a vigil. and That was it. And um, I was actually there only for about an hour, I think. I was arrested, but I actually, they took the cuffs off just outside Clapham Common. They actually didn't take the cuffs off. I slipped my hands out because, of course, handcuffs are made for men as well. So they're too small. They're two big hands. A little bit of female so, privilege there, you know. Um, I just slip my hands out,
0: but, but yeah, not, no, not my sit. wrists. I've got
5: significant wrists, so that wouldn't.
0: But if you're a petite woman, yeah, um, I'm a feminist, so but now I'm very
5: jealous of your wrists, Patsy. <laughs> no, I'm a feminist, hey, I'm but your I hair thought- color. This is another unreasonable body
0: standard for women. Got to be able to slip out of cuffs in the 21st century.
5: Yeah, Patsy, I have to say, if I got arrested, I would not look... I would not be so... Like, you you looked really nice, I have to say, while being arrested. (laughs) Do you know what? I do want
8: to talk about that, though. Like, like, I understand. A lot of people have said that, and I think one of the reasons maybe that I am in the media, and I'm just going by assumptions, but I feel like I fit a certain stereotype that's palatable to the media... That, yes. you know, um, is like of average attractiveness, able-bodied, like, you know, white, you know, all of the certain things of a certain age, you know, that the media is just like, oh, look, she's the face mm. of the media. And it's like, okay, great. where You know, where's the rest of the women? Because it's like they've just put that one group out as like, the white feminists. Okay, where's the rest of them? Because they mm. all exist. And-
5: That's totally true. It's so good that you've put that into words because I Mm. think I've been like feeling stuff about it but I never could quite like uh let myself think about it in that way but yeah it's really kind of uh refreshing to hear you say that that's cool refreshing wrong word that's like a drink no (laughs) I know what you mean it's it's yeah it's
0: good for us to acknowledge it and talk about it
7: yeah yeah it Um, is can I can I come in on that because I I went to the vigil as well and I went You know, I went knowing, A, how the police were potentially going to police it, having said that it shouldn't go ahead, but I knew that people were going to gather anyway. Mm. Um, And I also went knowing that Black people have faced massively disproportionate COVID lockdown fines. So I went with my boyfriend's phone number on my arm, a solicitor's phone number on my arm. Spare clothes, medication, spare food in the event that I got kettled, gave my boyfriend three numbers for where I was going to be, and I got shouted at by the police. My white friend didn't get shouted at by the police. So mm-hmm. even, even there, there was disproportionality. There was different yeah. treatment.
1: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at moonpig.com.
2: Moonpig.com
3: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
0: Did you see the hostility, Gracie, come from the police? And we should just quickly contextualise this. From what I know, reclaim our streets, try to get it done legally and safely, say it's a vigil, we're not going to be shouting, we're going to be standing two feet apart, we're going to be standing there quietly with candles. I think the local police said yes and the Met police said no.
6: No, Yeah, well, the local police were planning, were putting together the police plan um, for them and then Scotland Yard said no. And wow. the local police communicated mm-hmm. that because Scotland Yard were their bosses. But
0: that was a bad call to say no. Very yeah. bad well,
4: call. Well, interestingly, and I don't know, Gracie or. Belle, if you have insight into this, the police officer I spoke to earlier, he said with conviction that Pretty Patel was pressurising Scotland Yard to say no, and he also said he strongly suspects, and so do many other police, that then the reason Cressida Dick's resignation was being called for was kind of revenge from the Home Office because they'd actually faced resistance from the police when they told them not to let the vigil go ahead. Don't know if oh anyone has insight into
7: that. Just be keen to get well. your response. I mean, it's a hot potato. I've mm. seen. I've seen the briefing to the Guardian that the police have said. Actually, Pretty Patel was saying, "Don't let people gather." I think that that would be consistent with her previous statements on protest in the context of lockdown. But I can also see that neither of them wants to be caught holding the baby on this one. And actually, the reality is that there were operational decisions that were made by the police. And there was also a failure, not just by the Home Secretary, but by Parliament more broadly, to just have an explicit exemption
6: in the regulations so that we weren't in this this mess anyway. Yeah, Um, but they couldn't have that explicit exemption because they had to allow too many different things to take place, like grouse shooting. And uh, <laughs> other other group activities, which is why we didn't have this explicit exemption. But, um, you know, the, the local police understood they wanted to distance themselves from, um, and I, again, I can't talk about this too much. Obviously, there are sensitivities with the case in, in terms of who... Is the suspected murderer, mm-hmm. um, and because of that, they wanted to distance themselves from that individual. So they're wanting to do whatever reclaim these streets felt would help make women in the area feel better. And around the time of the appeal for Sarah, loads of women came forward to report historic things that happened in the past couple of months. Yeah. So there was there was a feeling in the area, just generally a fear, and you know they actively put extra police women out on the streets. Uh, there were no patrols where there was just a policeman. Um, they would have one male officer, one female officer on these patrols just to make people feel more comfortable. And the council, they put out all these extra lights, um, which uh, weren't switched on in, in the end. Uh, Gracie, as you know, you, you were there. <laughs> you see, it got very dark on the common. And there were COVID marshals ready. and and willing so and we told them the local MPs myself because it was my constituency and the MPs in the surrounding area said you can't shut it down now because you've let it be advertised and people are going to come anyway and they did even the Duchess of Cambridge came she came along she put down her flowers everything was quiet and calm but it descended into what we saw because they just didn't allow women to have their voices heard and the explanation I got from the officer in charge. Once I saw the trouble, I went back down because uh, I was there earlier as well. And the explanation I got from the officer in charge was, "Well, you see, they started giving left-wing speeches,
9: oh, and these oh, people giving left-wing no. speeches.
6: And and I had I had one of my staff members with me, and she was laughing afterwards. She said he, he didn't read his brief, did he? Oh, <laughs> he wasn't like what not said that out loud, mate."
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's the thing you say inside your head, and to your friends behind closed doors. Don't say that out He's loud. Like, you know,
6: they, they got up and they started to give these left-wing speeches, and you know that's protesting and saying these terrible things about the police. So we had to come come in and stop it because you know we're not allowed to protest. And I, I I said to him, you know, some people would consider me left-wing, and he was like, oh well, you you know what I mean. Um, you know, there were some characters that were intent on on you know causing trouble, and
0: it doesn't matter if they're anarchists, which some yeah. of them were. They're, it's a democracy. It's apparently we can't all be the Duchess of Cambridge, like
3: we can't. But the Duchess you know- of Cambridge
0: was fucking there, and if you're an international listener, that's Kate Middleton. Uh, yeah. I don't want to patronise you. You may know that, but you, I don't expect you to know it. Why would you? Unless you're in a Commonwealth country, in which case I have patronised you, and I apologise. Yeah. Um, I feel very strange as an Irish woman. going, the Duchess of Cambridge—that
5: like, <laughs> should never be said in my accent. Like, let's. Uh,
0: <laughs> but the Duchess of Cambridge, Kate Middleton, was mm. there. And then someone, but also, look, women were there. And look, they can't have expected no anti-police sentiment. The victim of this horrendous crime
5: was killed by an off-duty police officer. I I feel like we're constantly being told, I I feel like horrific stuff happens all the time. And we're just being told to shut up about it all all the time. It's gaslighting. It It really is. Yeah, We're not
0: safe. Women aren't safe. We have to be able to gather and say we don't feel safe. And this is one of our own. We have to be able to do that.
5: But even when we talk about it on Twitter, we get told, uh, well, you know, uh, why don't you think about men's feelings? Like, uh, I, I found it so difficult. over the I, I, I thought it was such, the vigil was such a beautiful idea and such a great thing to do for people to, like, get their feelings out, to physically be there and to kind of, like, be with each other. Because I found that whole week on Twitter, I feel like I nearly had a mental breakdown and I'm not even over-exaggerating. I feel like this past month has been very bad for a lot of people's mental health and I feel like we're just never given, and and, I'm sorry to make it about me, but I just feel like you you express emotions about something that affects you in your daily life and you get told constantly to shut up about. And I think that's the hardest thing about being a woman for me is just that kind of like take your, it's the hardest thing about being, anything but like it's just a just a yeah i know what's happening but shut up about it and this bill feels like that this bill feels like yeah i like this will affect your right to protest but you can shut up about it because we're gonna put it through it's on the second reading and it feels yeah sorry to go back i totally overtook this conversation no go, your personal my emotion
0: is what makes the guilty feminist different from women's hour it's it's no it's true not love bless you women's hour but like that's what that's what this space is for bell how optimistic do you feel and as an mp do you think this is true because we're always told this or will mps have to care but if if it's a tory mp and a labor constituent you know a clearly lefty constituent writes and goes i won't vote for you again they they know that they didn't vote for them in the first place how do we really get into the head of an MP who might be an on-the-fence Tory about this bill. Do you see what I mean? Like there must be some Tories concerned about it. What can we do? Can please
5: give us anything we can do? I have a plan. Make an email with a double-barrel surname in it. Just make up a new email nice. with Camilla Von... I don't uh, know. What about Ross Huntington? Or a Duchess of Cambridge, like just just an email from her.
0: It's not the official advice of the guilty feminists to impersonate the Duchess of Cambridge, just to be extremely clear.
5: Uh, I'm sorry, Belle, you got a double barrel
0: surname. No,
6: no. People think that double barrel surnames are so posh. But actually, I have a double barrel surname because my grandparents weren't married. Which was cheeky back then.
5: I'm like I'm like that about like Frere Roches. I think they're posh and other people think they're very gauche. Like I have no concept of what's posh. But sorry, Belle. No. Go Go Bell <laughs> D- D- Allison,
0: Alison, you're skipping right over the fact that I'm Deborah Francis White, like I'm not even here.
6: Oh, oh yeah.
0: It's <laughs> a, a stage shame. Don't worry about it. Up, uh, Belle. Belle. Belle, what can we do? I need your real, this is not not your MP advice, your real, real, real advice. Pretend no one's listening. We'll cut it out if you regret what you say.
6: For most MPs, it's about volume. And it's about, like you said, who it is that's coming back at them. So Gracie was talking about people emailing into their MP, making their voices heard in their numbers that they're against this bill, but also special interest groups. Think about who it is that influences that particular MP. And I'm going to use an example because we're talking about conservatives mostly that has to do with money. But um an example of certain drugs for different things. So pharmaceutical companies, in the case of making sure that they were South Africa were able to get more HIV drugs a few years back, they were targeted quite heavily, the shareholders were targeted quite heavily, and their shareholders, you know, the shareholders of the company spoke to the companies and were like, we don't want to be part of this. This makes us look really bad. So look at what interest groups are are involved, I think, okay. and what interest groups influence Certain individuals. So actually, we do need the Countryside
0: Alliance and people like that well, to make yeah, a noise. Well, if the
6: Countryside Alliance were really alarmed by a particular issue, I think there are some individuals in Parliament that might listen more than they I'm would. I'm going to write to, the to Countryside Alliance. 100. I,
0: I know they're not my natural bedfellows, but this is the erosion of our democracy in such a significant way. I'm going to, I'm going to, if listen, if anyone's listening and knows anyone of the Countryside Alliance, or is in fact themselves in the countryside alliance? I'm not sure we've got a huge crossover for the guilty feminists, <laughs> but like I'm just saying
5: there must be somebody. That's the guilty part of their feminism. I mean, maybe. The, the maybe. killing of
0: sentient beings. <laughs> like maybe. Just- but look, you know, I don't always not eat meat. So um, <laughs> uh, if you know anybody who's in a in a group that might want to protest that Tories might listen to, this is we need to be strategic, <laughs> gang. We need to be strategic. Gracie, what's your advice here? How can we help Liberty make sure that this has meaningful amendments?
7: So Liberty is a really democratic organisation and we're a membership organisation. So I'd say just join Liberty, number one. It's like £1 a month. Come and help us set our policy and do our campaigning. Um, We've been around since 1934 and, you know, Liberty will probably outlast all of us. So come and be a member. Um, But second, I mean, it really is. Hammer your MP and figure out how, you you know, speak to everyone you know, figure out what's going to make your grandma care about it, what's going to make your uncle care about it, what's going to make your local shopkeeper care about it. Like, we have to have conversations with people in our communities and figure out, you know, creative ways to mobilise against the bill. But the other thing that I would say is that, you know, as a lot of the grassroots groups, especially Sisters Uncut, are saying, this is bigger than this bill, you know, a movement will come out of this that is bigger than and lasts longer than this bill. And I think it's a really, really important opportunity, you know, for everyone, you know, who saw what happened at Clapham Common and that was new. I'm glad that that was new to some people, right? So now let's have a look at the experiences of people for whom... It's not new. And let's think, okay, well, how do we come together and work in solidarity with one another? Because this bill isn't just about protest. It is about Roma people. It's about travellers. It's about um, anyone with a nomadic way of life. It's about people who are disproportionately likely to be stopped and searched and targeted by gangs policing. It's an attack on everyone. Um, So I really think it's building those links of solidarity and maybe listening to voices that we haven't listened to before, because we know that, you know, we've had a nurse. Find for organising a protest, fine 10 grand in the pandemic. We've had asylum seekers fined for protesting at Napier barracks. We've had the Stansted 15 charged with anti-terror laws. The Met unlawfully banning Extinction Rebellion protests. The government's been coming for everyone for quite a while. So I think, you know, in addition to hammering your MP, you know, let's think about the movement that we build out of this for the long term. And please join Liberty.
5: Gracie, is Liberty X called Liberty X because Liberty existed before that? Because I remember they were called Liberty. <laughs> I just want to know if you're responsible for for the naming of Liberty X. Did you chase down a
0: pop band and go, you need to put an X on the end of that or you toast?
7: No, I mean, we still get quite a few applications for people who want to work with fabrics. So, it, you
5: know, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't us. <laughs> and you're
3: like, the
5: fabric of society.
3: Yes. How <laughs> more important textile? The
0: silky feel of the human race. Um, uh, And we find Liberty on Twitter at? At Liberty HQ. At Liberty HQ. And is that the same website, libertyhq.com? It is not. It's libertyhumanrights.org.uk. Could I say, please also join Amnesty International if you are not currently a member. And there is a specific action, which I will read out separately at the end, where you can go now to join Amnesty's voice against the policing bill. Matilda Mallinson, what do you want us to know or do or feel? Hmm.
4: If we are all feeling stressed about these rights being taken away from us, think about the people who never had these rights or whose rights are already being curtailed in this way. I'm thinking about asylum seekers, for example. You know, I don't know if people know about the situation in Napier Barracks, but you had people being held in really... Unsafe, unhygienic, trauma-inducing conditions, and when they went out on their daily walk, two of them took a protest banner saying, "You know, please don't treat us this way." And the government used the coronavirus rules, saying, "Well, if you're carrying a protest banner, then that's not daily exercise. That's a protest. That's illegal." I mean, Patsy's like been really self-aware here of how privilege she was to not expect to be treated that way and I think right now we're all feeling a fear that some of us haven't felt before so yeah so think about the people who already felt that fear before this bill. Patsy is there anything
0: you came to say that you didn't get to say or you'd like us to think about or do? Yeah I mean
8: to touch on that it's the whole privilege thing you know I was able because of my white privilege to take that risk of being on the bandstand and like near police that close and you know like um Gracie said she wrote down numbers she was prepared with food and all sorts of different things that never entered my mind because it didn't need to and that's the difference that we're seeing do you know what I mean and and I think that's not showed in mainstream media and the reason that I I saw the Sarah Everard case and you know resonated with it was because that's all I had seen I hadn't seen anything else there hadn't been any other women on the news and it it, it never is shown
0: there are so many black and brown yeah. women who go missing there are and that crimes go unsolved or unnoticed unbroadcast and that has to change that has to change it, it
8: does but I think as well like the way that me and my friends talk or the way that you know we've been brought up and we view the world is very very different and i i see it as a privilege to be able to educate myself on the experiences of women of color rather than having to experience them that's such a different you know um it's it should be a talking point i think in this because we talk about women's rights and and things like that and i i did actually do an article recently about um the suffragettes. And I don't think a lot of people understood what I meant, um, because I said from the suffragettes, not a lot has changed. Um, And I just meant because the suffragettes didn't actually seem to look into black women's rights. It was very much about white women's rights to vote. And a lot of black women were fighting very hard for their right to vote and other things that were going on. So I just think it's just not talked about. And especially within white groups of people, they're just not talking about this. And it, it should be spoken about, you know.
0: Well, I'm sorry you had such a horrible experience and thank you for your clarification around your privilege within it. But I also think it is awful. You know, what happened to you was really awful. And I'm, I'm sorry. And I hope that if there's any legalities that come after this for you, that you're okay. And I hope you're just okay as a person as well, because I know also when you become the center of something like this, it can be awful to be on Twitter as well. Belle, is there anything you've come to say or that you want us to do?
6: Well, she's thinking about what Patsy said, actually, and just a very quick point that uh, is a feminist podcast, that um, feminism can't be selective. It just can't be selective. And, And for too many years, it's gone like that. It has to be intersectional. It has to recognize that actually, if it's a global movement, the majority of the women in the world are actually black or brown. So it's not a global movement. It's not a movement in its literal term that says that it stands for all women if it doesn't look at issues of racism.
0: Yeah and this policing bill is really going to be on the attack so we absolutely need now to be vigilant and if we have privilege we need to use it. Is it true that they are saying that you could get 10 years in jail for defacing a statue and therefore you could get more years in jail for prilling down a statue than hurting a real woman?
6: Absolutely you could get up to 10 years for defacing a statue. 10 years um, for
0: defacing a statue of a man. Yeah. When yeah. men often walk away, hurt a woman and walk away absolutely without anything at all.
6: Yeah. And uh, I think it was Afwa okay. Hirsch. I'm trying to remember exactly how she put it, but she put it bri- brilliantly. She said for every woman that stopped from protesting, we should put down a statue of a woman. And then she can silently protest because that's the only way. I saw that, that uh, field of statues nice. yeah, yeah, of women yeah, yeah, that they, yeah, can't, field of statues, yeah. they can't touch them. Yeah.
5: But you, you can't I, trust people with women's statues. Like it would just be a lot of like disembodied boobs and stuff. Like I've seen some <laughs> statues that are like oh, quietly God. protesting.
0: Look, I I hope very strongly that we can do something about this, but I know that it won't happen without action. Please join Liberty, please join Amnesty, please badger your MP until they're sick of you. But also see who you can mobilise because that's an interesting point. Because I was thinking, well, my MP is Keir Starmer, so I mean, one hopes that now he said, "Oh no, I'm anti the policing bill." What can I do? Like keep writing to Keir Starmer. But actually, the thing to do is to mobilise as many other people in as many other communities as possible. And it's a numbers game
6: and as many other interest groups, <laughs> special
0: interest groups. Yes, countryside alliance and similar. Which special interest groups might the Tories listen to is actually a really good question to be strategic. I want to thank all of our guests today and a word on Patsy Stevenson. She's a young woman, still a student, just starting to become politicised. And she's had a lot of flack on Twitter because she wrote an article that got heavily edited. So could you please be kind? She's trying really hard. She's acknowledging her privilege. She did have a very horrible, violent thing happen to her and she's on our team. So I was very happy to have her on the podcast today and support her. at what's a really difficult time for her. Now, one of our panellists today is an investigative journalist, Matilda Mallinson, and she pointed out we needed to get a right of reply here. Now, obviously, Pretty Patel is probably too busy to do a feminist podcast. Um, but I took Matilda's point of view on board because I actually want to fix this. I want to change this. So, we absolutely need to do the work to find out what somebody on the other side of this might be saying and thinking. So, she went and interviewed retired Chief Superintendent Owen West. Now, like all of our guests and all of our comedians and everyone we have on, the views of Owen West are not necessarily those of The Guilty Feminist, but I think you'll find what he has to say extremely interesting and very, very useful for when you're thinking about how to speak to your MPs and the people who have power to change this. If you think you might be triggered by this, then you can skip over it. It's about seven and a half minutes long. But if you can listen to it, I really, really would. I think it's very, very useful. Over to Matilda Mallinson and Owen West.
4: Owen, thank you for joining us. So I thought as someone who has experienced policing protests, maybe you could help us to understand what this bill is all about.
9: Let let me take you back, believe it or not, all the way to 1895 and Gustave Le Bon wrote a a seminal book back then called The Crowd and essentially what that book says is that crowds are a threat to the state, they are a threat to property, threat to the landed class, mad bad and dangerous to know. That view of the crowd sticks certainly in the British psyche right the way up I would argue until around 2009. And in 2009, uh, there, was a, there was a tragedy when Mr Ian Tomlinson died at the hands of the police at the G20 summit down in London. Mr Tomlinson was not a protester. He was not involved in any way with the public order. And a police officer struck him with a baton on the leg and then pushed him and Mr Tomlinson fell over and he died later on. And quite rightly, there was a national outcry in relation to the way that that protest had been handled and Mr Tomlinson's death. Now, that outcry launched a report by the police watchdog. And what it does is it absolutely destroys a lot of the stuff that LeBon was saying and essentially since 2009 the police in the UK have adopted a very human rights based approach we've had this view that protest uh, is a fundamental right in a democracy and it is the police job to facilitate and make that happen this goes really well until we get to Black Lives Matter and Extinction Rebellion And at this time, we start to see from the state, from the government and from what I would call the right wing commentary, a pushback about those protests. And the pushback is characterised as this is the police being soft. This is the police losing control. And that's when you get this draconian measures that are being brought into the new policing, crime, sentencing and courts bill, which is around people's right to protest uh, in a democracy.
4: But the government has said police are asking for these powers, that police have submitted a report saying current guidance isn't good enough, modern protest has changed too much, and we need more powers
9: to cope. Just on the police have called for this. This is a really interesting narrative that's coming from government. And um, if you read the HMIC report, as I have done uh, many times, it actually says that police opinion on new powers is divided. Some officers think it's draconian. Some officers think it's a step too far. Some officers worry about the long-term consequences for police legitimacy. So it's fair to say police opinion is very much divided on this and there are those out there that genuinely worry about it. I don't see at all that the police are jumping up and down and asking for new powers, which by their definition are going to increase the likelihood of conflict between police And protesters uh, going forward.
4: So as a former police officer, you don't feel these extra powers are necessary. Is that right?
9: I would argue there is nothing wrong with the seminal report that was done in 2009. Sadly, awfully, tragically, it took someone to die before you took notice of the science that was there. Let's not have a position where the latest thinking about crowds gets, gets us into a position where somebody else dies... Or where a police officer dies, um, because you know, there'll be another knee jerk then, and, and we'll go all the way back to 2009 and reinvent the wheel again.
4: Evidently, something does need to change. So, what is that?
9: Well, there's a few things that need to be done. And first of all, I turn to the police rather than the government. The police need to recenter themselves on their values, on what it means to police in a democracy. Uh, and to stand up for their operational independence much more than they currently are doing. Operational independence, I think, is being eroded. And what I say to senior officers and to my colleagues is, you know, governments come and go. The relationship between the police and the people they serve, that's the relationship we ought to be prioritising, they ought to be thinking about. And just stand up a little bit more to the political um, direction that they're being dragged in. If You know, there's a well-known saying out there, which is the quickest way to start a riot is to, is to ban protest.
4: So police really should be looking at crowds in a very different way than this bill encourages them to. Now, I expect our listeners are probably more likely to be on the crowd side of the police line. So what would you say to them about how they should look at police? Particularly in pro- protest situations.
9: So, if you are looking at, at a police line, if you're on a protest and you're looking at a police line, I'd ask people to just remember that it's well over a quarter of the front line on early, late, and nights working the streets of the UK at the moment has less than two years' service. They are very, very inexperienced. It might be the first time they've had to mobilise and deal with potential violence. The vast majority of them don't want to be there. And there is a crisis out there of, of a huge number of officers that are declining to be trained in, in public order tactics. There's also a concern and anxiety out there as well about where social media is. You know, them being identified. And then you, you've got details of their family life. They may just be standing there, but someone's filming them. Their collar number's there. Long-winded, but i, I just... Think of it from the other perspective, which is if they, if they could be doing anything else, I think they'd rather be doing, they'd rather not do the shift than have to take the overtime.
4: I think for some people it, it might be more difficult to see things that way because certain communities, you know, are systemically over-policed and treated with unfair aggression. Do you see diversity as a critical issue when it comes to policing crowds?
9: I do. And it is. There is, to be fair to policing, there is a huge amount of work and emphasis and worry, worry, actually, that the police is not recruiting uh, enough uh, uh, people from a diverse background. I'm talking all types of diversity there. What the police are not understanding, in my view, is the diversity element and wanting to bring people in absolutely is intrinsically linked to the way the police do their job. So, if you do stop search in an aggressive manner, if you do stop search in an insensitive manner, don't be surprised if people from those communities don't want to join. If you police a vigil in a, in an excessively aggressive manner, if you trample on on uh, people's rights, don't be surprised. If people don't want to join. You know, what does policing look like out there on the streets? And if you started to get that right, then more people might look to you as something that they want to join. Get it wrong and, you know, no surprise that no one wants to get involved.
4: This has been eye-opening. Thank you so much, Owen, for joining us.
9: Thank you.
0: Grace Petrie is a protest singer. So yeah. quite soon might be illegal under the policing bill. That's field. true, <laughs> yeah. Blimey, I mean, I'll be all a little bit noisy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you thought about retraining in cyber security? Um, I saw some <laughs> posters that were I haven't thought about that, but uh, I
2: think I, there's more chance of me becoming a ballet dancer, I think, to be honest. <laughs> <then>.
0: um, <laughs> but, uh, hey, that's, hey. That's, that's a callback. Um, so, callback to a poster yeah. campaign in Britain. It's too, it's too much to unpack. <laughs> Uh, it really is. We've got bigger fish to fry. Mm. They're taking, taking away our to right to, to protest. <laughs> do you have a song? I do. I have a song.
2: I have a song that I I wrote. I either finished writing it five minutes before we started recording, or I haven't finished it, and we're about to find out which. Um, it's been such a privilege to be a part of this conversation tonight, and uh, such mm. an education. Um, I have been writing protest songs for about twelve years. And I think, you know, to be honest with you, I, um, like a lot of people, felt really burnt out after the 2019 election. And I think that I, you know, I had a similar experience to you, Alison, where the whole week of the reporting around the case and the kind of outpouring on Twitter of women's stories felt like it just felt like this kind of wall of pain and trauma And, um, and I found it and I, I found it really, really, really difficult. And then I was, I was at home alone. I live in Leicester and I was just watching the protest unfold on Twitter and I found the whole thing so heartbreaking and so alarming. And, uh, and then I think, you know, I, I kind of really realized that, and this is something that I have realized over and over and over again in my adult life and in my political life but it's the fact that um, you can't give up when you feel like you're not winning because at the end of the day, I think what Gracie said about this is like, this is, a, this is a bigger movement than this bill and actually all of the things that we're fighting for, everybody who listens to this podcast, everybody who considers themselves a feminist certainly and everybody considers themselves fighting for a better world, I think we all have a really hard truth to come to terms with, which is like we have to, this has to be bigger than our, our individual spirit because I think the point is... That we might not win some of these battles in our lifetime, but that doesn't mean that it's not worth fighting. This sounds like a really depressing note to leave it on. No, but I
0: weirdly, think that's, that's what Ollie from Amnesty said today. He said, right. he said two things. One is, I said, how easy will this be to you know get rid of this bill or make amendments? He said, hard. He said, but every single victory or partial victory I've ever had has been from a complete non-starter. Mm. Like you think you can't win this, but like, we'll have a go. Yeah. Um, and he also said, there are some things we've won that have taken 20 years. Mm. So, you know, when you look at the course of history, yeah. you know, sometimes you're two steps forward and one step back. So you're right, Grace. This is a long game project. This isn't, you know, and I like, well, I like to know what we can do by Wednesday week, but this might be one we're fighting for a long time. It's all a long-game project, you know,
2: and I think it's... um, I was thinking about the idea of uh, when they were first building cathedrals and the people who put down the first bricks would die before the finished Mm -hmm. thing would be fully erected. In some ways, I have to, in order to sort of, like keep engaged because apathy is so easy i know apathy is so easy and it's so i found it so easy to be like i campaigned so hard for labor and it all went so wrong and now i'm just going to take my ball and go home and actually that is not that is a fucking privileged attitude and it's one that i don't have a right to when these sorts of fundamental things are being taken away so for everybody who just got engaged over the past week that's amazing brilliant welcome to the team and for everybody who like me who'd sort of quit the team and fucking have a word with yourselves and come back because it's never been more important than it is now. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I kind of wrote a song trying to say some of that. What's the song called? Well, a- again, there it we sounds go. quite depressing. It's called the losing side, <laughs>
5: <laughs> but I hope,
2: I hope, uh, I hope it will come enough, to, you I hope it'll, it'll, I hope it might cheer some of you anyway. Mm. Um,
5: as a West Bromwich Albion fan, I think I'll be feeling this. <laughs> cool. so I'll be like, <laughs> yes. yeah. a full
2: kind of girl. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we'll give it a go, shall we, Benji? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Three, four... Five.
10: Common grief to Bristol up in flames. We came here begging justice, and instead we got the blame. The peace disturbed out on the streets tonight, and watching on the BBC, you know something's not right. When morning's come, with candles and with flowers wrestled three on one and pinned down by the state's full powers this is their world and these have been the rules but we have come to break it down with bloody fingernails for tools, this threat of violence this tightrope wire we can no longer bear it we are all too fucking tired no minute silence we will sing higher Don't tell us to light a candle when we have come to start a fire. And if I spend my life on the losing side, you can lay me down knowing that I tried. There's a better world. And on a quiet day, when I hold my breath, I can hear her say she's on her way. She's on her way It's safe at home You watch it on TV And never think that one day You could be the enemy That you might one day be under attack From all that should protect you Hoping someone has your back The history books Are screaming from the shelves no government who outlaws speaking to defend ourselves Has good things planned A storm ahead I see And not one of us can bear it without solidarity Oh, I see trouble All my days This ailing, failing world Sent signs of fire and blood and plague But from the rubble From the waste. The mightiest cathedral From these ashes we will raise And if I spend my life On the losing side You can lay me down Knowing that I tried There's a better way Say she's on her way, she's on her way to so take up my sisters. This fire will never die, to so take up my comrades. No one left behind, and if I spend my life on the list, inside you can lay me down knowing that i tried there's a better world and on a quiet day when i hold my breath i can hear her say she's on her way
0: thank you very much you've done it again grace (laughs) you've done it again I was thank you very much. I, I was I was crying as I off I nearly always do when I hear a new song of yours and I looked across and I saw Selinski's crying at the other end of the table too <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you got you got some tears out of Ceinsky there and he's a much he's a much harder sell than me I do not oh, know he's, 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 he's cried <laughs> at
2: some of the quality of recordings I sent him to be honest <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was immense and uh that chorus uh i think is iconic and very much sometimes how i feel like you know you've got to try you've got to keep trying and uh nothing's been changed by people that didn't try that's all i know
6: absolutely
0: um and it's own you know it's only moments of moments of effort and joy and i i remember once um, supporting a refugee family. And I said, look, I really don't know if I'm going to be able to do anything here. And he said, I remember the father saying to me, trying is enough. And I just thought, ah, oh, so I just like, somebody's out there trying for me. If somebody's trying, I can keep going because yeah. somebody's trying. If no, nobody's trying for me, then I can't, you know? And, and, uh, so, that sentiment is uh, is a wonderful one, and thank you very much uh, for and i like, can I just
2: credible. say something else really quickly I meant to say before you yeah, can cut please. this out if you want but I think like uh, the obviously labor changed their position on this bill, but I think you know like. That is such an immense moment for us to realise that, like, mm-hmm. you know, I think that idea about pressure, like, maybe, like, yes. this Labour Party is. Everybody knows my ideal Labour Party was the one of the last leadership, but uh, like, I, I think that there's a real lesson here for people like me to be like, you know, some politicians as Tony events said are weather veins. So what that means is that we've got to change the direction of the weather. Do you know what I mean? If we can change the way the wind <laughs> is blowing then, like, there are so many things that we need to make popular policies. That's what I've realised, I think, this week, is, like, we can change the hearts and minds of people who are going to vote in the next election, and that is how we get people to, like, stand for the things that, are ma- that matter to us, instead of doing what I've been doing is sitting at home being like, oh, this, you know, like, these parties aren't offering what I hope for. Do you know what I mean? I think it's, it's not yeah. a spectator sport. I think we've got to get involved more than mm-hmm. I have and been lately.
4: Also, we need, to, we need to stand together and not tear each other down. I think that music, protest music is good for that sentiment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we tend to be our own worst enemies yeah. when we're fighting these fights and we need to do it together. Absolutely. And I think, yeah,
2: finding people who like, like we were said so much this time, like who wouldn't be our like natural allies. You know, I think like it, these are common issues and so much of the things that we want to see change about this country really are common issues. And there's got to be ways to put it into more like a, productive language where we're like so much of the time we're not talking to people who don't agree with us anymore and I think we've got to stop that trend because otherwise we're just going to keep losing you know. Totally.
0: Mm. Um, Patsy are you okay? Were you moved by that song?
2: <laughs> yeah no I cried a bit.
8: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course. No no because like you know it is, um, it is emotional and I try not to cry about it too much as in a sense like when uh, like when I was arrested I tried not to cry or anything tried holding my head up and stuff like that because because I knew it, it was like, it's that um, scene of like, if you're, if you're sort of crying, it's seen as like weakness or something.
0: But um, I guess, you know, that's not really a thing. I've just been watching Brené Brown and she says vulnerability is courage. And I'm really seduced by that. I'm, I'm fully Brené Brown at the moment. Tears aren't weakness.
2: I also just gonna say that I like cried my eyes out that night looking at pictures of you being arrested, Patsy, so I feel like if I made you cry then like I've got you
0: back because you made me cry. <laughs> You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Alison Spittle, and our very special guests, Belle, Ribeiro, Addy, Gracie, May Bradley, Patsy Stevenson and Matilda Mallison with music from Grace Petrie and Vokey Ben. The Guilty Feminist theme tune was composed by Mark Hodge and produced by Nick Sheldon. The producer was Thompson it's given shop. Thanks to Rachel Crawford, Gina DiCio and everyone for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com.
5: But <laughs> <laughs> even like feminism has men in it
0: feminism
5: oh balls no i'm just like sorry I, i'm Don't that patriarchal it that way. i'm that's... that patriarchal that i've just misspelled feminism to put men into it uh, good... which is like a comedy night isn't it just...
0: i mean <laughs> i i have seen people spell it that way actually accidentally it's a tight ty- it is not it's a frequent typo um, oh
5: thank you deborah you're so nice No, oh, no that's true i have <laughs>